Welcome to The Family Room, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Welcome into the family room. I'm Mari, and I'm here with my co-hosts, John and Craig. John, how are you doing? I'm fine, Mari. I hope you are. And Craig, (laughs) how's your day going? We're great. Thank you very much. I love the fact that we laugh on the show. (laughs) Craig laughs at me a lot. (laughs) That's why this is called the family room. So today we are so excited because we are actually welcoming a family into our family room. Pretty cool. Like a first, yeah. Yeah, I think it is the first time we've done that. For the first half of our show, we get to talk to the father of the family, and then the second half, their mom and daughter will be joining us, but this is going to be the Ross family. And what is so amazing and cool about the Ross family is how God has woven together a lot of great stuff in their lives, not only their past experience, their own faith journeys, but also the gifts and the talents that each of them has. And he's woven those into a way that they use those to evangelize in a very unique way. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So we want to introduce to you Robert Ross. Robert, welcome to the family room. Thank you. We're very glad to have you. It's great to be here. Wonderful. And Robert has, if I read his entire bio, the show would be over, so I'm not going to do that. (laughs) I'm just going to share a couple of things. Um, Robert has been in corporate America, um, had been for quite a number of years, and he led both the artificial intelligence and experience design efforts for a number of different Fortune 100 companies. And he's also a keynote speaker and guest lecturer at both Georgia Tech and Kennesaw State University. But you all will be glad to know, since I can't understand any of that very well, we're not talking about either artificial intelligence or experience design today. In fact, we are talking about his other great passion and love, which is writing. And he is the author of two best-selling book series from science fiction fantasy. He also has a brand new book out, which is in the realm of paranormal romance, which all of that does not sound incredibly Catholic, but Robert, (laughs) God has um, done some really cool things in your life to make it so um, it is. It's pretty neat how he's woven himself into your, your story and allowed you to do that. We're going to actually start with prayer, and then we're going to dive into hearing more from you about this path and this journey that God's had you on and how he's encouraging you to evangelize to others through this amazing gift of writing that you have. That sounds wonderful. Okay, great. So John, would you open us in prayer? I will. Let's start in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we commit all of this time to you first and foremost with incredible thanksgiving for the gifts, the people, the positions in which we find ourselves uh, seeing reflections of your grace and your sovereignty and your dominion. Thank you for this, and thank you for the time we have today with the Ross family. We ask you to bless this time. We ask you to pour out your Holy Spirit that we might find the path that you would have us walk today together so that all of our listeners and all of us might find in this time your grace, your glory, and strength and ideas and power to move forward. Father, we ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. In the name of the Amen. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Great. Thanks, John. You know, interestingly enough, whenever you hear a speaker or you read books a lot of times, um, I find it, for me, most engaging when I can find personal experience mm-hmm. or garner something from somebody else's personal experience. You know, it's been said some of the best writers are the ones who write from personal experience. 
And most importantly, from a Catholic perspective, we also know Romans 8.28, that God uses all things for good for those who trust and follow him. And interestingly enough, your story, Robert, kind of weaves that into your your life from a corporate executive to now this fiction writer. And if you don't mind, because a lot of our listeners like to hear how we get to where we are or you know where we've come from, could you kind of give us some of that background so we better understand you and what drew you to this? Sure. Uh, well, I always had a passion for writing. The, the, the challenge was I wasn't very good at it. Um, and um, I, I, when I give panels and, and, and talks, I, I describe it as that there's really two kinds of authors. Um, like any kind of art, there's some folks that just have an innate talent where they're just born with it. And I run into a number of those authors where they can be in their 20s and and they can write about life experiences that they've never had, Mm. but can visualize a a whole world inside their mind that they've never experienced and to make it real. Um, I'm not one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So um, when I first started writing, I would try to create the world and and the interactions, and it came out as as really pretentious and horrible. So, um, and I was fortunate enough to have people that that I trusted that told me this is pretentious and horrible. <laughs> so, so um, two of them in the room with us today. Um, yes, one of them okay. is. One, one, of them, one of them is. Yes. Um, but, we always but, thank God for wives, don't we? Yes. As we Rachel do. has never been shy about telling me when I'm pretentious or horrible. <laughs> so it took it took about twenty years, really, for me. Uh, to develop the the experiences where I could write what I'm writing now. It took becoming a, a father of both biological children and adoptive children, and it took a special needs child. It took really being worn down to the nub and built back up um, to write these stories. And more more than just the stories, it's the dialogue. So um, I'm often struck uh, by people with amazing talents in, in various areas. And, um, and I'm continually, um, humbled when people say to me, um, that they're impressed with the dialogue that I write because I, I think of it as just natural. I, I hear the voices in my head, which is probably a mental illness. Um, and I, it's another, adjective. It's another yeah. whole thing. Right. And, and then I, and I write down what they say, which is why first books are harder because I don't know the characters. And then once I get to know them, I kind of watch what they do and write it down. Um, and I know that sounds strange, but I've only found out that it sounds strange recently, like within the last five years, it seems perfectly normal to me. Um, <laughs> But that's uh, that's kind of how it how it happened over those over the course of those years. Great. And in all of that, Robert, what are the big themes that you want to get across? You 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 have ideas. What is what are the big themes that you want us to understand uh, from your from your writing and your characters? Um, well, each book's different, but but so far, one of the the primary thematics that are crossing both series. Uh, and the the standalone book, the one heart that beats for two, uh, that's the paranormal romance, um, is the the concept of the various forms of of love. Uh, we spend an inordinate amount of time focusing on eros here in the West, mm. um, and um, and our, my uh, our, our young priests had a comment. He said, for for from his confessions, he says for for people who talk about and think about Eros all the time, there's not a lot of it going on. Um, and uh, so that's an interesting perspective coming from your your parish priest. But 
So when you think of the three primary forms of love, eros, um, philia, and agape, um, I, I like to really dive into those things uh, in a subtle way uh, because I really think that as a, as, a, as a writer, my job is to entertain first. I don't earn the right to really have anything else to say until I've entertained because people are right, they're buying my books to be entertained. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not writing documentaries. Uh, I'm also not writing, strictly speaking, Christian or Catholic fiction. Um, what I try to do is, is do uh, Catholic inception which is to, I put these concepts in and I sow the seeds. Uh, and I like the, the, what the, um, the gentleman who does the chosen has said, he said, it's my job to bring the loaves and fishes. The multiplications is above my pay grade. Yes. yes. Yeah. Dallas um, Jenkins said that. That's great. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so um, Catholic inception. Okay. I invented that. I know. Okay. I Break came, it open just morning. a little more. I think that's such a, a, a cool term. So, so you described oh, it. Do ca- it Catholic what is Catholic conception? Yeah. So it's it's the concept of if you plant these these little seeds, these little thoughts, these characters that act in a certain way, mm-hmm. and and I've tried to force it, and that works out horribly. And we'll talk about that later, where my <laughs> alpha readers tell me that it's not working. But when I when I get out of my own way and I let the characters speak, they act in a certain way. And then people wonder, why are they acting that way? Or why would they do that? Or why would, why would they not do that? Okay. That reinforces uh, some of the, the, the precepts of, of our faith and, uh, and other faiths as well. There's a lot, of, a lot about Catholicism that is in common with, with, mm-hmm. um, with other faiths as well. I've got a really diverse uh, readership and listenership, which we may get to in a little bit. So then, that, then uh, people wonder where it is. Uh, why that is, and then they come back to it and they find out more. It's kind of like the first time you've ever, if, if you're a scotch drinker, it's the first time I ever drank scotch. I hated it, but then there was something that kept in the back of my head to try it again. <laughs> and after about the fifth time, I'm like, this is delicious. <laughs> Interesting analogy. Um, so, so you've got, so the themes of Eros agape filio is is one set. Um, you also have some Eucharistic themes that have come in your books as well. Can you expand on that a bit? Sure. So, so obviously, for, for for Catholics, the Eucharist is the center of our of our faith. Without the resurrection, there is there is point. It's pointless. As 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 uh, I think it's C.S. Lewis said that right. Um, and then. Um, and then the Eucharist obviously is is largely unique. I mean, there's others that that believe in the in the spiritual presence of Christ. There's some that believe it's just a cracker, um, and and then there's us, right? So, so I like to uh, to put it in the books where appropriate, as a as a kind of a focal point, um, also as a contrast. So uh, I have a character that's like, why do you care about the cracker? Um, and, and, and that gives, it gives someone an opportunity to go, well, it's just not a cracker. And some folks don't like it. And that's fine. Is that if you're going to reach different people, you have to reach them where they are. Mm-hmm. Right. So there, so I've had, I've had fellow Catholics that are like, you can't call it a cracker. I'm like, well, I'm not the character is, uh, and I'm using it as a point of contrast, yeah. but, but for those readers, it's, if it's offensive, then, then it's not for them. But it also is, is, uh, as a focal point for, for, you know, um, really some of the characters being able to do their job. So in the paradigm book, um, a woman, uh, becomes, uh, tapped, if you will, to be kind of a, uh, a main character, a protagonist, uh, to defend earth from, uh, alien attacks, pretty classic trope. Um, what, what is in a classic trope is that, uh, and, and I credit Rachel to this is that, um, 
is that if you're going to, if you're a devout Catholic, which she was, I knew, and you're going to be going off into space for gosh knows how long, um, then you really would want to be able to have the Eucharist with you. Mm. Um, and her first officer is an atheist, so they're an interesting contrast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's constantly talking to her about her invisible sky man. Um, and how she reacts to him is is graceful, and how he reacts to her is respectful, which I think we need more of, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, in the book, the, the Eucharist becoming present for her uh, is important for her, um, and how that happens is part of the story. Um, and um, uh, and it's not done in a way where, uh, again, where someone who's not uh, of the Catholic face would be put off, because it's not again it's not my job to try to beat people over the head with it but this character is catholic and if she's going to be going off and doing really incredible things way far away from home that where she could end up dead and uh, people under her under her um under her care could end up dead what wouldn't you want the eucharist with you i know i would yeah no that's valid it's funny too because as you talk about this how many of the books that are out there and how many movies that are out there do the opposite they bring our faith up, but they bring out all the negative and say all the terrible things. And yet you're weaving the positives into it, where to your point, somebody that's not Catholic may go, well, okay, it, it makes a little more sense to me. And they can associate with the character where before they couldn't. Why do you think those concepts are really important to you and to your readers? Now, you said some may not like it, but it sounds like obviously the majority of your readers do like it. Why do you think these are important? I think that despite what the media would have us believe, that we appreciate authenticity. What? I know. (laughs) I know. I know. It's hard to believe. Um, And and if, if these characters are authentic, even if they differ, I mean, I have atheists, I have Mormons, I have Jehovah Witnesses, um, and I have a, a, a lot of evangelicals that are readers. Uh, I have folks that have come to their come to faith uh, through through these books, well, through Christ's work in these books. Um, and none of them have complained about the the characters uh, and how they act. The atheists appreciate the way the atheist acts because they're like, you know what? I don't I don't like go out of my way to tell people that their sky man's invisible. I just think he's invisible and he's not real and they can live their lives. Uh, and similar concepts from the, uh, the, the folks of other faiths or no faith whatsoever. What I do find is in some of the, some of the one star reviews where people are like, this talked about God <laughs> and one star. Oh, I'm, yes. like, I'm like, well earned God. Thank you. <laughs> star for God. He only had one at birth. I mean, that's right. <laughs> Just happened to be the biggest one in the sky, but okay. Uh, So listeners, if you were just joining us, you are here in the family room, and we have as our guest today Robert Ross, um, author, and shortly we'll also be speaking with uh, his wife and his daughter as well. So you've started to tell us a bit about the books and some of the characters. One of the things that you shared with us earlier was that you said that as you've grown in your faith, your books have as well, which mm-hmm. I think is a pretty yeah. cool concept. Would you share more about that? Um, and as you kind of also maybe give us a general synopsis of um, the three different, well, the two series and the, and the other book. Sure. So I'll start with the second part. So there's the three series. There's Sentinels of Creation, which is the first published series. It's seven books, six in market. The seventh one uh, should be out in the next month. Wow. So the last of the series. And it's a whopper. Uh, more than one tear shed writing the end of that, that, that series. Um, the second series is Paradigm uh, uh, 2045. And that is a um, 
a classic sci-fi uh, space opera kind of book. Uh, the, the Sentinels is uh, contemporary fantasy. Um, and then the, the, the third book is not a series. It's a one-off. It's the one that, that I was forced to make against my will by God. Um, <laughs> by God. <laughs> and that's One Heart That Beats for Two. And will be your best book, by the way. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> so far, it is not. But that's not, you know, that's, again, not my job. Um, and that is uh, kind of a paranormal uh, romance. That's great. And just so our listeners know, we will have links to all of Robert's books and his website and all of his information on our um, on our show notes, in our show notes, and eventually we are also going to do some giveaways of some of his books. So stay tuned to learn more about that. Too. Absolutely. So in the in the Sentinels book, the 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 main character's growth kind of parallels my own. So he starts off as a pretty profane. Um, person um, and I find it interesting when people do reviews and they go this book was horrible the the main character was profane and sarcastic which is the description on the back of the book um, <laughs> so they knew they, what they were getting into that's like, what you're saying you really read these things people um <laughs> So, so he starts off that he drops f bombs, which is important for readers to know before they before they get into these books. Um, and he's an he's an agnostic slash atheist slash deist. He isn't quite sure what he is. Um, and um, I have a, a, a reader who created a shirt from this, but but uh, there's nothing that ruins an atheist day than running into Michael the Archangel, which is <laughs> which is what happens to him, and then his heroic journey starts forward. So so that was really earlier on, and and I some of my formation because. I've done a lot of a lot of growth over the last six or seven years, um, but one of the concepts there is that God loves to draw straight with crooked lines. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kellen Thorne, who's the main character of Sentinels, along with his lovely wife Shannon, um, he is w- quite the crooked line, and wrestles all sorts of things. Literally uh, wrestles uh, with his his fate and with God. Um, and so as he goes and grows. He gets less profane. He gets all these different things, and he becomes more sacrificial, and, and not in an icky way. Uh, it's hard to describe this because it's really, it's really quite subtle. Because it's taken seven books and a million words, literally, for mm-hmm. that to happen. And part of that is because I've learned different things. So there's, I, I'm able to drop as part of the the inception is we went through as a family, went through Bible in a year. Uh, with with Father Mike, mm-hmm. um, there's all sorts of cool stuff that that's, that was inspired there. A lot of things, um, which I get looks from people because after Mass, before I, I jet out, I'm taking notes on my phone because a lot of these things come to me uh, actually during Mass. And then I feel like I'm okay with it because some of the things are really, people are like, really, you did that? You know, what's going to happen with this Lucifer? There's a Lucifer character one series. I'm like, listen, it happened during Mass. It happened in Adoration. I'm going with it. So, so um, You're basically getting downloads from God. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a bit, I, I, I hate to say that it's a little arrogant if I'm doing that, but he's, he, I'm getting these ideas from somewhere. And mm-hmm. then, and when they flow, it's, I, I know that they're not necessarily just coming from, from me. And tell real quick, because I know a lot of times people will say, okay, how do you know it came from God? And how do you know? And so you just kind of intimated at it when it starts to flow. Yeah. What does that feel like? What's that like when you know it's really, it is coming? So the, the last three chapters of the Sentinel series were a whole lot of stuff that really culminates in, in people who think that they have done things in their life that make them undeserving of redemption. Mm. The last three chapters make that abundantly clear that it's impossible, Mm. that there's nothing that you could do that is stronger than the power 
of Christ's sacrifice. So that was 11,502 words. Mm -hmm. And I did it in one day. (gasps) Wow. Wow. That's what I said. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Ouch. (laughs) So, so that's a a good writer is writing 10,000 words a week. A week. And God had you write 11,000 in one day. 502. So you answered like a dozen questions that we had, which is awesome. And as as you develop these characters, the protagonists, the antagonists, you you talk about how they kind of develop. Do you like weave catalysts or conflict or what? How do you get these characters to develop? Well, they kind of they kind of do it on their own. There's a great movie that that I watched it and I talk about it because it encapsulates it. It's called The Man Who Invented Christmas. Yeah, great uh, movie. Yeah. Okay, and it's about how Charles Dickens came up with um, a Christmas Carol. It's a fictionalized story, I assume. Um, but the characters, the characters just they 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 literally do their thing, and I watch it and write it down, mm-hmm. which I know sounds insane. Again, I didn't realize that that's the case, but that's that's what it is. And I remember when when I. I came out and told Rachel about, um, especially during the times we live in, um, that the main character for Paradigm was a was a um, a black woman from Kenya, and she's like, "Oh no, she isn't," <laughs> uh, because you shouldn't be writing that. And I'm like, "But I can't help it. That's who she is." Oh wow! Uh, and uh, and then uh, I got a um, became friends with this 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 woman who's a firefighter. Um, and, uh, she wrote me and she's, she wrote a review called, uh, finally the, the Brown girl superhero we always wanted. Cause her daughter came running in the room and she goes, mom, she looks like me. Oh, I just got goosebumps. And I couldn't write that. I don't know anything. I did do a lot of research about Kenya and it would have been a lot easier to make her somebody different, but that's not who she was. Mm-hmm. So I really didn't have a whole lot of options. Until you said that thing about the, about the man who invented Christmas. All of a sudden, everything you just said fell into place. I'm like, okay, I get that that's how Robert does it. But having seen that, th- it's right. There are real people talking to him. He's just watching what they're doing and capturing it. That is, see, you're not crazy. Pretty, <laughs> or you're crazy like that. Definitely, <laughs> definitely cracked. <laughs> I've, heard other, I've heard other authors say that. Though. They'll say, I can't wait to see what my character is going to do. Yeah. And you're kind of like, what do you mean you can't wait to see? <laughs> Don't, aren't true. you the one creating it? They're like, no, no, I can't wait to see what my character is yeah. going to do. Yeah, yeah I, I tried to kill a character. This is when I realized that I was definitely broken something inside me. Is I tried to kill a character because I thought it would be really dramatic and that it would be a really powerful scene for, for the audience in the second book of the Sentinel series. And she was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and became became like the equal to the main character the other till to Kellen and in some ways greater and and all of the salvation story in the entire book would have failed without her Mm. so I got work to do I got work to do that last comment is a little counter to my next question because evangelists don't typically kill people (laughs) They, they either bring them to the light or they bring them back to life um but as this has evolved, okay, you went corporate America, you start writing books for your own pleasure, but you're bringing out a message. Did you intentionally look to evangelize? Did it organically grow through just your writing and magically, to you, is your point, as you evolved, the natural evangelization, as you grew closer to God, grew out of that, which, quite honestly, family, that's kind of why we get closer to God. Hello. But I just want to understand if it was intentional or if... It was no. organic out of that closeness. 
No, it, it wasn't. Um, it was really, um, I had this story in my head for a long time and wasn't, wasn't mature enough to write it, the Sentinels book. And it was the second, the second book where that, tw that shifted. So after I wrote the first book, um, and I was, and I was thinking of the second one, um, and it's the name of the book is the tale of two gardens, which is, uh, ends up being the garden of Gethsemane and the garden of Eden. Um, and again, these aren't Christian books. Trust me, they're not Christian books. So people like they don't want people to be lulled into the, the idea that this is, you know, uh, this is a left behind series. Like it's, it's absolutely a fan fantasy with a, with a dusting of these truths. So I don't want people to be, um, to, to, to buy it thinking one thing, uh, I want them to enjoy it for what it is. Um, but that was a real pivot point because things happened in there. The Lucifer character got introduced. Well, he was introduced in the first one, but just as kind of a, 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 a contrast from the, from the, from the war in heaven, but became a main character. And then what happens with that character as an archetype for, for pride and for um, redemption uh, of us um, became foundational to the rest of the series. Hmm. That's fascinating. Well, it's kind of interesting though, before you, it's, our Christian lives are really supposed to parallel that, right? Meaning we live our lives organically as we live them and God brings about the transformation of us and not intentionally writing to be Christian or Catholic. Maybe we live intentionally, but it's living where we are at the moment in time God put us there, being faithful to him, that people are going to dive in versus me being really holy and saying, I do all these prayers, I do all these things, and magically somebody go, go, like pretentious and horrible. Yes, <laughs> right. pretentious and horrible. Well, and I'm also just thinking about, okay, where did Jesus go during his time? Did he, How much of his time did he spend in the synagogue versus how much of his time did he spend with the tax collectors and the prostitutes and, and all of those folks too? Yeah, so um, very fascinating to think about that. Yeah, and, and I think that we have too much of it in our, our media and entertainment today where the the creators of the of the art have a message and and it's irrelevant whether you want to hear it mm. uh, and they just beat you over the head um so so my stories are designed for you to enjoy them at whatever level you want there's <clears throat> easter eggs for super nerds that you that, that other people may completely miss there's there's uh uh, tradition, traditional Catholic themes for Catholics. There's traditional moral themes for just moral people, um, and then there's just a, a, a lot of of fun fights and magic and spaceships and lasers and for people who just really want a good space opera. You, I know we got to take a break, but it's almost like you just open the door into the family room and, <laughs> and you can walk in the family room and talk to whoever you want. You want to exactly. talk to mom, to dad. You just lay people out there and open the door for us and let us walk in. That's pretty great. That is That's awesome. So we will be right back with Robert and learn more about all of those themes and people and amazing opportunities for you to walk into his books here in the family room. So join us back here in a few minutes. We'll come right back to the family room with Mari, John, and Craig, right after this. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station... 
the Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to the Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. AM 1160 The Quest is listening to you too. One listener shared. Every time I get in my car, I turn on the quest, and it seems to always address whatever is on my heart that day. God is really speaking to me through this station. Thank you so much for bringing a message of truth and hope into my life and to so many others across Atlanta. If you're enjoying the station, please consider supporting us with a donation. Go online to thequestatlanta.com. St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com. Does your parish, charitable organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160, the Quest Community Calendar. It's easy and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com, click on events, and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of the Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. This is Lisa Popchek from More to Life. Catholic Radio changes lives. It's for you, with you, every single day. Whether you're rejoicing over something and you need a community to share that with, or you're struggling with something and you need a community to support you. We're here for you every day to teach you about your faith and to help you live it. This is your home, and we're always here for you. Thanks to our friends at EWTN, our programming is provided free of charge. But this station has other expenses that must be paid to keep the doors open and the lights on. Support of your local Catholic radio station helps keep shows like More to Life available in your area. No matter the amount, your gift works to make a difference for you, for others, and for the future of Catholic radio. Please prayerfully consider making a gift right now. We'll talk to you soon. To donate, log on to thequestatlanta.com. Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig on AM 1160 The Quest. Hey everybody, welcome back to the family room. We are here with the Ross family. We've been talking to Robert, and now I want to introduce, uh, we want to introduce two additional members of the Ross family. Rachel, Rachel, thanks for being with us. Thank you, I'm happy to be here. And Autumn. Hi. How are you? I'm well, how are you? All right, we're good, and we're glad that we have the family together because one of the family room traditions for our guests is to ask them what their favorite family room memory is. And um, so you may have to take a vote because we only get to have one. Now, tell us what is what is the Ross? And it could be maybe from family growing up. But since all, we have two generations here, maybe it's from you guys. So what's favorite Ross family room memory? Well, I have one recently. <laughs> it's really simple, but we made like we've been watching this TV show, Downton Abbey, again yeah. oh, for yeah. the fourth yeah. time. It's <laughs> a great show. Really love it. Um, and we recently made a bunch of like little tea sandwiches that they eat all the time in the show. And then we had like a bunch of pastries that I'd recently picked up from a baker shop in North Georgia. And we just ate 
little sandwiches and had tea and pastries while we watched our show in the living room, and it was great. <laughs> nice. I want to be invited to your family. That's pretty cool, your family room. That's cool. So Dr. Sri took us to Rome. Yeah. <laughs> the Rosses have taken us to England. There we go. Who's next? Wow. <laughs> and now I will take us to Middle Earth. <gasps> oh. Perfect. So my most recent favorite family room moment included our our new young parochial vicar, mm-hmm. um, Father Paul. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Porter. Father Paul. Mm. Yep. Um, and we had him over. So we've been having Tolkien nights. And we had him over uh, to watch, I think it was the first one, Um, and the ladies of the house went way overboard, and they made a hobbit feast. Oh. And Mm -hmm. there was an entire trestle table ladled with all the yummy things that a hobbit would, would love. And then, uh, and then Father Paul came in, and he we got video of him going, "Oh my gosh!" And uh, and we had ale, and we had Hobbit food, and we watched Lord of the Rings for four hours, and the whole family was together, and it was really glorious. And he was smoking his pipe, and he, and he was because he is our Gandalf, our oh, young Gandalf. That's so cool. Okay, I now you have to. Our listeners have to know. I have to know. What's Hobbit food? <laughs> English food again. It was you know like uh, stews, and then of course in the in the in the books they love mushrooms, right? Hobbits oh. love mushrooms, so Autumn made up a a mushroom dish. We filled it with that yummy uh, pimento cheese that Ooh. you get the palmetto pimento cheese, yep. and then put bacon all over it, and lots of homemade bread, and little English uh, uh, steak pies. Scotch eggs. Yeah, we just went nuts. I oh, pictures scotch of it. eggs! It was great. We made scotch eggs, which are just so good. And um, he bought this that really fabulous. That was my stomach. I'm sorry. Yeah, he Can bought this really that? fabulous beer from Italy called Nursia, made by um, the monks there. Yeah, and it's outrageously good. And we just have had the best time. Okay, mm-hmm. when are you having another one? <laughs> so we we did all three. So we did all three nights. But yeah, Saint Peter's now. Oh, but so what kind of grew out of that, which is really kind of cool, is that Saint Peter Chanel is hoping. I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, oh. but hoping to do something on the order of kind of what we used we did at our house, cool. but maybe for the parish. Cool. Have a Tolkien speaker, maybe yeah. not watch the movies, and have a little you know um, Green Dragon in stuff going on at St. Peter Chanel maybe in a couple oh, months. Okay. That'd yep. be cool. And so here on the family room, just listen in because we will tell you if and when that happens. Well, they say you heard it here. Yeah. Here <laughs> yeah. And if you just dialed in. This is not a cooking show. <laughs> this is not any kind of a dietary show. Um, this is the family room, so obviously we enjoy food in the family room. Yeah, so one of the questions that, that came as we were right before the break, you were talking about your readers, and you have such a variety of readers, as you said, a lot of different folks who are readers. But one of the things I know you have mentioned is that you also have met a lot of real-life heroes. Um, some of your readers are some real-life heroes, and you have actually woven their stories into your books as well. Can you tell us a couple of those stories? Yeah, uh, so I have a, a Patreon, which is a way that people can support um, me in addition to buying buying the books. And one of the one of the tiers there is where folks can can become a patron, and at, at that level they get um, a character that we work on together, um, and um, it may be a loved one or themselves. I've had someone who um, who's been 
10 years sober mm-hmm. and he wanted to have uh, to thank the person that helped him become sober. And I have someone whose grandfather helped build the Titanic and he had a great story and he wanted to make a gift of, of naming um, this grandfather for his dad and mm-hmm. have his dad be in this pub that he loved in Scotland. And so I waved that in. Um, but for through through my just my journey through life i run into some people that are just uh, i think are heroic and mm-hmm. just in daily life and so for them i just make these characters for them and i give them as a gift so um two of them that uh that i can note real quickly was one um is a is a young woman who um type 1 diabetes i'll only use her first name here but i'll i'll hold it for a second and um so i i know her her aunt uh, and they were going on a bike ride for diabetes. Um, and she doesn't have like type one diabetes is bad to start with, but she's got like super, super bad, Mm. um, from the standpoint that she, she, her mom gets up every night to check, to make sure she's not in a coma and she's doing okay. Uh, and she's alive. So Mm. imagine as a parent, I getting up every day to make sure your child's alive. Mm. Uh, I can't even imagine. So, um, I was talking with her her aunt, and I said, so why does she want to do this bike ride? It seems like she's got enough. She says, she's she trying to get the, the cure for diabetes. And she said, no, her answer was she just wants her mom to be able to get a good night's rest. Ugh. Mm. <laughs> yeah, right? Mm. So so uh, you mentioned about the, about the Eucharist, um, and um, so I wrote a scene in a book, in the book, where Grace is with her aunt uh, in chapel uh, at adoration. The um, the entire chapel is lined with angels staring at the Eucharist. <laughs> uh, her guardian angel is at one end, um, and um, part of part of the concept of, of of healing in my stories is that it's it's based on agape. It's a sacrificial act. Mm. So for Kellen to heal her, he has to take her injury on herself he has to take her chronic condition on herself on himself on himself Mm. on himself and the um the angel um so it's like dude (laughs) this is gonna be hard uh you sure you want to do this you're always mucking about and you don't think before doing and he -hmm. and he he does it anyway and that's part of this part of the story it's it's foundational and then the arc uh, the, the angel there says if you hadn't done this i couldn't do this because you just made this sacrifice. And then something happens in the story. And her name is Grace. Mm. So I'm like, really? Her name's Grace? And that's the way she acts? <laughs> so I put her in that book. Um, and, and then the other one was um, uh, a, young, a young man named Kieran uh, who uh, had meningitis when he was little. And he lost his legs and his fingertips. Mm. Um, and I met his dad, who was a soldier in Britain. Uh, and, uh, he is, um, dad to a, three special needs kids and, um, has, uh, a difficult challenge in his marriage, uh, that was not his fault. Um, and his son wants to be an astrophysicist. Ah, so, so Kellen wants to be an astrophysicist. Kieran. Kieran, 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 yeah. sorry. Kellen is your character. Yeah, yeah. close. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so I, I made him. Uh, as a grown-up, because this happens in 2045, mm. um, uh, an astrophysicist with bionic legs uh, in on the first starship, and um, used his dad's voice for my voice actor oh. to pattern it after, 
uh, and then he, I have a video of him opening the book um, and realizing that there's entire chapters named after him. Oh, on his 16th awesome. birthday. On his 16th birthday. Oh, that's so oh, cool. We got, it, we got it shipped to England in time. That's, that is awesome. It was before it was even published, so it says not for resale on it. The, oh, so, so he knows that it's like a yeah. special, special edition yeah. just for him. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so I run into these these folks. Um, the firefighter person I mentioned, uh, she became the mother of the main character of of, of um, Paradigm twenty forty five, um, because I mean she literally runs into buildings that are on fire. Mm-hmm. So when I run into those people, they they don't they don't have to be patrons to get special characters. That's awesome. But they influence you, and you put them in the book. Mm-hmm. So. You've come across readers, though, that have commented on your books? Yes. What have they said about either some of these characters or how your books have maybe touched or changed their lives? Well, some of them say this is an affront to all writing and this ruined my life. (laughs) There's there's those. Those are always fun. I actually put those one-star reviews in one of my author's notes because I find them... I find them really interesting. Probably the most meaningful one is I had a a friend of mine for a number of years call me up um, in tears and said that he just uh, he just given his life to Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. And, wow. And, uh, and he, he literally thanked me. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. I said, I said, what an amazing gift. I said, I, I'm done now. I mean, I'm like, good. I, <laughs> if, if anything that I've done has, has, has contributed to that, I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. And what was it, do you think, that he read that was in the book that may have, was it just in general, the books? Or was there some particular scene or particular interaction? Um, well, it, it was it happened in the second paradigm book. Now he he was one of my beta readers for all books. So he has been following these journeys of Kellen all the way along, and then um, and then did did beta reading for the paradigm series as well. Um, and that's where I send out a book that's that's been through a couple of revisions, uh, but it goes out and it's the last stop before publishing. So then the beta readers tell me, you know, it's different things that I get wrong. And it was after that one. So I think it was probably Charlotte uh, Omandi, who's the, the main character of Paradigm. And uh, and some of the things she goes through in the second book and some of the things that are in that second book, uh, there's one chapter in, in particular that's just, wow. It's one of those, one of those I didn't write that chapters. And I think that's probably what did it for him um, because I don't know how you get through that chapter without actually feeling the presence of someone that's not me. Yeah. That's the chapter that I read to Sarah Sullivan, who writes your show notes and right. said, I need to tell Mari about this. <laughs> that chapter is what got us here. Really. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. That's wonderful. And that was how God wove all this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 What, when I led him, which again, is, a, is opposed to one heart, which I was told to do three years ago. And I said no for three years uh, and then finally gave in. You know, I think what you speak to is something that all of us can appreciate. How many of us have had times where God's encouraged you to do something or maybe even stronger than that, told you to do something? He told me um, something I was supposed to write about eight years ago. I am so stubborn. I still have not done it. Um, And I don't know if it's fear. I don't know what it is. But I think we all probably have some of those. And and somebody told me, well, you know, God, if if you don't do it, God will ask somebody else to do it. You'll just lose your opportunity. So you might want to go ahead and do it. I'm not sure that that works with me. I mean, I ended up just, you, I wrestled with him for three years and ended up with a bad hip like Jacob and, um, <laughs> and, and uh, did it anyway. Um, and um, it's, um, 
it really was the right right thing to do. Yeah. So, um, well, you're an encouragement then, yeah. encouragement to all of us to, to answer yes. Yeah. So there's pretentious and horrible, <laughs> and there's humble and obedient. And I, yeah, I hear right. it coming across. No, seriously, yeah. It, yeah. there's just loud and clear in this room is your humility and your obedience, or you couldn't do what you're doing. If you're just joining us, you're in the family room, and we're talking to the Ross family, uh, Robert Ross, the author of a whole bunch of great books, and just sharing with us how so many of his life experiences are woven into the books, and so many important themes uh, are going in and coming out of the books, and so, so thank you for being with us. We're in the family room, and really, the Ross family, or at least the three that we're talking to, are very much involved in your authorship, right? Robert, so how how tell us a little bit about um, what m maybe roles what roles everybody plays or it's really a critical role. Um, so I I do my my books take about five steps, um, and uh, so I do an initial draft, um, and then um, I do a revision, um, and I do alpha reads to my family, well to two to 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 Rachel and to Autumn. Mm -hmm. Who are here, and those are never fun. Well, they're not never. They're rarely fun. Um, did you hear the, the little peep? Yeah, uh, and Autumn's laughing. Yes, I was okay. gonna say it's critical, both literally and figuratively. Yes, it's critical. So, so, um, and that's where some of the worst ideas get caught. Um, there was, I, there was one where I thought it would be really great to do a scene from The Greatest Showman, um, which was super cringe. Uh, there's another one where I wanted to demonstrate, um, Charlotte's chastity by having a bunch of women talk about that. That was horrible. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was just the worst <laughs> idea ever. Uh, that's an example of me trying to do something when I shouldn't. Mm. Um, now, Rachel's approach is to tell me how horrible it is without any kind of filter whatever and say, this is the worst thing you've ever written and you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> Autumn will take a step back and go, now, Mom, I don't know that it's the worst thing he's ever written, but it's not good. <laughs> There's an inside little note on the inside opening flap of the books and it says at the very bottom where you have the isbin number and everything i just like to thank my sadistic alpha readers who will remain unnamed <laughs> so so you sadistic. guys are the sadistic alpha readers yes, <laughs> yes they are <laughs> mom it wasn't his worst work do you remember? <laughs> There's always Chapter. this. Yes. Wow, Robert. Yeah, humble. Yes. I see. I see that humility is a is a. Um, they, is if a, it's not there, it's coming it's back. It's a and acquire a taught virtue. <laughs> they keep beating it into me. But the end result is, and I showed this to um, to Autumn. One of the reviews was talked about something about how I could channel women better than any male writer she'd ever read. Hmm. Uh, and the only way that that's possible is by having two alpha reading women telling me what I'm getting wrong. <laughs> girls don't talk like that. Like that. <laughs> that's what they say. Well, we're going to ask one of the other girls, Autumn, who's sitting over there so quietly, just mm, peeping hello. once in a while over there. How would you say that you've contributed to your dad's uh, work and what has maybe your biggest contribution been? Okay, I do a few things for dad. I'm always tinkering away at like video or audio stuff. So I've created like a few um, trailers. Three trailers. Times. I've created a few trailers for him. I've done like intro videos for when he goes to Dragon Con. Um, I also am doing like music, intro music for his books. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I think the biggest one is the fact that I am narrating his One Heart book, which has been really cool. We did have a little hiccup recently where <laughs> I had been narrating from an old manuscript, which was 15 <laughs> renditions old. And I had gotten 13 chapters in, so oh. I had to re-record. Oh, <laughs> there were, wow. There were tears. Gosh, there yeah. were tears. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. And then when he left the room, she was looking at me like... <laughs> it was not my fault. <laughs> so in a way, it sounds like um, your dad following God's call has also brought you into oh, um, yeah. your, your own call. Oh, for sure. I wasn't sure where my path was going to lead. And... Um, then just narration kind of fell into my lap. And I don't think it really would have if we hadn't gotten so close with his audiobook narrator and like learned and heard about that side and just hearing from him and being like, oh, wait, this is something that's really cool and I really like and I think I could do a really good job at it. And so far, it seems like I'm doing a good job. So that. Yeah, she's got she's got like five books under her belt, not just mine. So she's got her own business starting up, and and it's it's you know the um, what a what a great gift is is the friendship I have with my voice actor now for seven years, Nick Podell. Yeah, um, he's like one of my one of my best friends. This uh, is not typical in his, the writing. Uh, no, narrating it, world. They've stayed at our house. Our their their daughters. Are, we're aunts and uncles to their daughters. Um, you know, fake ones, but that we love them. They call them, we call them the grandlings. Um, we love them to pieces, all of them, the whole family. Um, and, um, and so his, he is a great example of, um, of a godly man staying close to his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and autumn wants to be a mom and be home with the kids the way Rachel was with, with our kids. And this is a career that will allow that. And she's got an amazing gift for it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I was, I was listening to her do, the accents for one heart and um she's i just said you're doing outstanding just she's like, really <laughs> so and she is a theater major and, ah. but she was like i don't want to be in theater what am i going to do and i was like play all the parts instead of one part yeah. right yeah. play all the parts i was like i can't be in downtown atlanta doing like shows and auditioning from like 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. Mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. i have a child right so i have a, do have a side question though so you've said uh, you've helped contribute to your dad's books. How has your dad books contribute to your faith? They make me cry a lot, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been so amazing to see how much his faith has grown and see how they, how all of our faith has grown um, and to see how it affects his, his work. Um, just really good, true, beautiful works have come from him and stop blushing dad (laughs) i'm just happy to be a part of that and some of that comes from from failure so uh, like a lot of us uh, i i kind of failed as as supposedly the spiritual head of the family so that's my job right um and rachel was really acting in that role and then she fell away from the church a number of years ago and i just let it happen Mm. so once we reestablished our, our our commitment and our faith, which is really due to Autumn more than anyone else at Easter uh, a number of years ago, uh, there's been other opportunities for that to happen again. And I told Rachel, I was like, I said, I fail a lot, but I only fail at the same thing once, generally mm. speaking. So, um, so all of that really goes into 
the, the writing as well, because I think that it's really hard to be a writer if your life hasn't had a lot of challenges, uh, because then how do you write it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Rachel, kind of your turn. How do you, besides the PhD, which I guess stands for pretentious and horrible, <laughs> um, besides assigning the PhD, which we don't want to have, how do you, obviously, very positive, how do you help? Well, it's funny when he, when he talks about pretentious and horrible. So when we were dating, that's when he, he gave me the manuscript of the Sentinel's idea. And I read the first like 10 pages and I was like, oh my gosh, I, I'm just dating him and I'm crazy about him. How do I tell him this is horrible? <laughs> because this isn't going to go anywhere. And I was just like, oh, well, I don't know. It's not my genre, you know? Yeah. So fast forward many years, a lot of different trials, things that we've been through as a family, as a married couple, all that kind of stuff. Um, he finally writes the manuscript for the first Sentinels book. I have the flu when there was just... and i'm feeling like heck and i'm upstairs and he's like just read it you got nothing else to do but be sick right and i read it and and you know i'm like god please (laughs) let me like this i read it and i just couldn't put it down and i just thought it was so good i was so proud of him and i came down and i was like this is good this is really fun and there's so much cool stuff in it and it could go in so many directions. Oh my gosh. Like I was really wowed by it. And he, it's just proof that you need to live some things, right? And then what I'm doing aside from that is uh, really just, I'm just trying to give him the time and like today that didn't work out, right? Because... I forgot to put it on my calendar and he had no time to write. Um, but I knew, normally try to keep everybody out of his way so that he can write. Um, uh, we have two other sons. One, our son Andrew is married and he's downtown and, and our other one is working and not always in the house. So it's me and Autumn and Robert really who do the work, the the book stuff. So that, that kind of thing is just making sure that he's got the space to write. Awesome. And loving him and praying for him. Honestly, I pray for his writing every day. Okay. Mm. You know, and I think, so what you guys have expressed is just so beautiful, how God has used this to draw all three of you closer to him and closer to one another as Mm -hmm. well. And how I know um, we didn't get to talk too much about Mm -hmm. it, but Autumn, I know you have a real love for theology of the body and you've poured that into your dad's work. She has. Right. And and you intimated the fact that um, it was Rachel's faith too, that kind of her, just that, that whole, um, journey that she was on and away from God and then back to God, how all of that formed all of you as well. So Mm -hmm. maybe at some point we need to have you guys back on to talk about that. Maybe we'll talk about Tolkien nights and hear more about what God's doing in your life. But I think it's just a beautiful example of how all of you are saying yes to God in your own ways and uh, really Mm -hmm. supporting and encouraging and praying for each other and your vocations to share God's love and truth um, in just amazing, profound ways. So, so Ross family, we are so thankful that you have been here on um, our show in the family room with us. We're glad you've been with us. Listeners, we um, please go to our show notes. You can learn more about and where to get the Ross's books. And um, please join us again next week. We're here in the family room where we offer hope, truth, encouragement, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in the family room. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.